0: Stephen with us or I've got her papers for her.
1: There's a great
2: day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day coming by and by, when the saints and the sinners shall be floated we uh-huh. sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by. When the sin and shall hear his depart, I know you not. Are you ready for the day to come? Oh,
1: Played bar chords in a long time. When I was practicing today, my hands were getting really tired, so I try to do it. <clears throat> there are times that I get discouraged. All around me, people tear me down. But that's not where I bring my focus Cause on the last day The words don't count I can't help but pray For the peace you give Why should I fear When the Lord afraid when he's with me in the flames why should I care what the world says about me all that matters is in the end so then he says to me well done there are times that I feel forsaken seems in this world afraid when he's with me in the flames. Why should I care what the world says about me? All that matters is in the end. So when he says to me, well done,
3: I will pray.
1: A good fight I will praise your name as long as I have life and until my race is run I'll fight for good fight why should I fear when the Lord is always with me why should I be afraid do not care what the world says about me. All that matters is in the end, it's when he says to me, "Well done." All that matters is in the end, it's when he says to me, "Well done."
0: song service, Thank the Lord for his blessings upon us already just by being in the house of God. And I hope that you can say that tonight, that you've already been blessed just by being with God's people and God's house, knowing that where two or three are gathered in my name, he says, I'm in the midst. Folks, I'll tell you, that makes this place a very special place. And in just saying that, I've got chills all over my arms just thinking about where he may be right now. Walking up and down these aisles and in and out of these pews to touch our hearts. May God truly touch us this evening. Before Brother Step comes, we're going to go back to the Lord in prayer again, asking his special blessing upon the speaker and upon his children here this evening that we might be touched in a miraculous way. See, I've always seen being in the house of God as a special place and time because I know that it's in the house of God where He may be walking and enabling us to hear, to realize, to understand. Because the Bible teaches us that He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know Him in the full revelation that He has given us, and that's through His Word. And I pray tonight that our eyes and ears are opened and our hearts receive His Word with joy and much gratitude. Brother Grant, could you take us forth of grace, please? Brother step you come and preach what the Lord's laid on your heart.
3: I brought a psalm book up. I don't mean what you think it does. Um, just a few comments about what Brother John's been talking about—about about the Lord being here, where two or three are gathered together—that is a sobering thought, but it sure is an exciting thought too. And uh, the song that uh, the—is that the adult choir sang, the Eastern Gate? And that's pretty awesome. Ezekiel chapter 43, for young folks that might not know that scriptural song, what that song means. In Ezekiel chapter 43, and it says, as they're build, rebuilding the temple for the millennial reign in the last part of the book of Ezekiel, it says in verse 4, And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east." And that's what that song's talking about, is Jesus Christ coming in. And I know that if you listen to the song, and, and y'all young ones that might not know that, and, and I know most of y'all probably do that. That's, that. that's how close it is. Sometimes I talk to Big Creek when I'm talking to him, and I say, you're there in Matthew chapter 24 when he says, the Lord Jesus Christ coming is at the doors. And I point to the back of the church there, those doors. It's just like he's on the other side coming in the physical presence of the Lord but he's already inside here Amen. by God's grace and so I, I really enjoyed that song and I enjoyed the other songs and when the, the, the young gentleman sang the song there's a great day coming and I, I turned it over I didn't know that song and that first verse is a great day coming and you're thinking about the Lord coming back for his people making it that great day And then there's a a bright day coming. And then that last verse is, there's a sad day coming. And you know, it broke my heart. I was all excited about the great day coming. I was all excited about the bright day coming. I was excited about the Lord coming back for us. And then there's a sad day coming. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ, it ain't going to be a great day. It ain't going to be a bright day. It'll be the darkest day. I was almost upset at the songwriter. Why did you put that verse last? Why didn't you put that verse first? And we could have been thinking about those that are lost and praying for them. And then we get to the point where it's bright. But I think they have to go both ways, don't they? I think sometimes the last verse should be there's a sad day coming. Because sometimes we get so caught up in rejoicing in our state, and we're almost sitting back on our laurels saying, yeah, Lord, come on any time now. It's an awful, awful bad out there. Why don't you just come back and get us and take us out of this world? Well, what are we leaving behind? Folks that don't know Jesus. That's why we need revivals. That's why we need people to remind us, family members, neighbors, coworkers, We need to be reminded that we've got a responsibility. The Lord didn't leave us here to lallygag all the rest of our lives here. He left us here to tell people about Jesus. He left us to tell people about sin. And that's hard. People don't want to be told about their sins. But it's our duty. It's our responsibility. May the Lord give us grace. May the Lord give you the revival that you've been praying for this week. I asked Brother Jim how it's been going so far. He said, it's been going great. I said, well, I'll let you down here, but, you know, tomorrow you've got some more good stuff coming. But that's what you want, to be focused. And isn't it awesome, this homecoming idea? Big Creek, we have our homecoming the second Sunday in, in September, and look forward for, to it all year long. And folks that haven't been there for a while, they come back home to Big Creek. And I hope you've got folks like that that you're expecting this and maybe have already come this week and you're expecting them tomorrow and folks that can come home to Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'd like to preach a message on a church to come home to. I think it's important for us to do that. I do want to start off by saying I appreciate it. I, I had all that prelude there. It was just those songs I wanted to say that before I forgot. And then I didn't want to forget to thank you for inviting me. And thank you for having the services. Thank you for desiring the diligence for these kids to be brought up in a church that they can come home to. It's important. Amen. It's important for them to know what that Eastern gate is. It's important for them to know is, you know, and I've watched your kids as we go through services when Brother Pete Horn was preaching on Monday, and I was rejoicing that most of them were paying attention. Some of them it's hard to get to pay attention. I understand that. They go through stages. And sometimes the, uh, the 25-year-old ones are the ones that's hard to hold attention to instead of the two-and-a-half-year-old. But I appreciate y'all, love y'all, and we pray for y'all. Amen. We really do. And it's always a joy to come to Emmanuel Baptist Church. The book, book of Luke, chapter number 15, is where we're going to take our text. A church to come home to. Sometimes you can get lost. Sometimes you can get lost in the world. Even folks that are saved can get lost. I mean, I don't think they'll lose their salvation, but they can forget what's important, and they can get out there in that rat race of the world, and they can start thinking this is important or that's important, and they, they miss out on what's really important when Sunday morning comes around. It's important to be where Jesus is going to be. Amen. It's important to come where the Holy Spirit's going to be. It's important to come where God the Father's blessings are going to be showered upon his children as they meet together in the house of God. In Luke chapter 15 in verse 11, it says, a certain man, he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. He didn't have to but he did. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Sometimes you find out that you're not as clever as you think you are. You're not as wonderful as you think you are. My wife tells me I'm wonderful all the time. I think. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes you can get to that point where you think you're the center of the universe, and this world just revolves around you, and you can't do no wrong, and it just seems like everything you touch turns to gold. I guess that happens to some people. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon here. You know, as you, as you think about those situations, and this younger son, he'd been brought up, you know, you might say with a silver spoon. He never really did have to work for what he had. And his, and his daddy gave him what he needed. And then, he, But when he went out in the real world, real things started happening. And that money, instead of every time he reached into his billfold and hand out more money or, or, you know, slide that card nowadays. And one of these days, that card came back, insufficient funds. Said, what? Insufficient funds. Maybe he pulls out another card. Maybe, you know, it's using cash or whatever it might be. It began to be in want. And the economy was tanking around him, too. And it was getting bad everywhere. <laughs> kind of like looking out our door, isn't it? It's getting bad out there, isn't it? I hope you're depending upon something substantial Amen. Instead of just a bank account yeah. That's all we had That's all this prodigal son had was a bank account Had some friends that liked him while he had his bank account But you see them slipping away When they want to go out and I ain't got any more money I don't know what's going on. You got to head to get a job. Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Wasn't much of a job. That's the reason it's in here is because for a Jew, that would be hitting bottom to have to feed pigs. And the Lord wants him to see somebody that's really hitting bottom. Sometimes we've got to get to that point. Says in verse 16, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And verse 17 says, and when he came to himself. You know, I, I mentioned sometimes you got to hit bottom, and I, I really think this is a salvation verse in verse 17. This young man had heard the gospel at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Or Big Creek Baptist Church. You know, for for the sake of our sermon. I know he wasn't. But for the sake of our sermon, he'd heard the gospel before. His parents had prayed for him. And it seemed like all the efforts were being wasted. He grew up, he was a pretty good kid still yet. You know, he didn't do, he probably lived in his mom's and dad's house for sure. But he got out in the world and started doing things that we wouldn't expect they'd do. I know. I've seen that happen at Big Creek. When they get a little bit older, they get a little bit of independence, they act just like every preceding generation has happened. But the Lord touched them. That's pretty awesome. You know, because Mama's back there still praying. You know the rest of the story. You know, when he comes back, the daddy's there with arms wide open, and they, they kill the fatty calf and all that, because they're back there waiting And y'all back here waiting at the house, at the house of God, Emmanuel Baptist Church. We pray for each other's kids, don't we? And what we do right here, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, what we're trying to do is prepare a house that they can come home to. I know our individual homes, too. That's what we do. But I want us to see the significance of a homecoming service at Emmanuel or Big Creek or Mount Pleasant or, you know, Salem Missionary Baptist Church. The other churches that you know of. That's what they're there for. And so that when he came to himself, verse 17, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I know what I'm going to do. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, the thought process, I'm not worthy. That's why I think there's a salvation experience. Because this young man's been humbled. And he's coming back with an attitude of repentance. And that don't come natural to the flesh. Come natural to the flesh, these verses be, I'm going to go back to daddy and and have him take care of me again. and, And maybe he'll give me some more money. That's not how he's coming back. He's coming back broken. Because he knows his sin.
4: He knows he messed up. He knows he has no hope. And he knows he has no
3: right. He's been raised up in a sovereign grace church. He knows grace is unmerited. And he can't earn it. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Make me. Just let me come home. And you know, I was uh, reading a book or watching a show, and uh, a fellow had been a drug addict. And he'd been going to Alcoholics Anonymous or Drugs Anonymous or whatever, and he'd gotten his two-year badge. Two years. You know, if you've ever been involved in someone or have been one of those, that's been addicted to something before. You know how difficult it is to get out of that. It is a trap. Every time you think you're doing well. Every time you think you're free from that addiction. Something comes along. And I know sometimes that addiction is German chocolate cake. And you start looking like me. And, and, you, can't, and you, can't, you can't resist. But it, it goes much worse than that doesn't it. With the drugs and the alcohol. And anyway, the fellow in this story, he had a dear friend that had been an addict before. And he'd been clean for 30 years. And he knew how incredibly difficult it was because he's an addict himself. And he was so inspired by this dear friend of his that had been drug free for 30 years. Someone he could look up to. Someone that would give him hope. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. And he got word one day that that dear friend of his that had been free of addiction for 30 years had died in a drug overdose. After 30 years. Clean all that time. And, you know, after you get it all out of your system... You know, after you do it a few years, you can put a lot of stuff in there, somebody, and it won't affect you and phase you. In fact, you want more and more. But once you get that all cleaned out, and what that fellow had done had just got what he thought was, no well, it just slipped, and it killed him. I don't say that for a sad story for him, although it was sad for him, but can you imagine that one that had been free for two years, that had been pinning all his hopes If he can do it, I can do it. And after 30 years, he found out he couldn't do it on his own. How am I ever going to do that? Fact number one for our message this evening, life is incredibly difficult. Life is incredibly difficult. Even if you're not involved in drugs or alcohol, the things of this world draw at you and make things difficult in your lives. And and I, I know, I've been there, I've done that. I've had friends, family that's been affected by the things in this world. Every day is a battle to do right. Every day is a battle to live holy. Every day is a battle to fight against the flesh that we've been fighting on. And I thought about that as I was, message was coming together. You know what they need? They need what this prodigal son needed. They needed a home to come home to. It's getting tough. You know, and maybe if it's just to spend the night. Maybe, you know, you don't live here anymore, but... I gotta go home and talk to Dad. I gotta go home and talk to mom. I gotta go cry on her shoulder or something. I need you. Desperately need you. Because it's difficult. Incredibly difficult out here. My uh daughter in law, her mom found somebody, they've been divorced, found somebody and Thought they were going to live happily ever after. Built a house. You know, had a nice car. Guy had some money. Good job. Things were going really well. And then all of a sudden he said, I don't love you anymore. Can you imagine her devastation? Can you imagine him saying, I'm taking my stuff and gone? You know, uh, divorce rates, I'm told, among Christians... Christian world, that's where they're taken. People who say they're Christians is exactly the same as it is with the world. It's because most of the churches out there aren't preaching the truth, are they? They're not a real home like Emmanuel needs needs to be. y'all, y'all. y'all I, the purpose of my message this evening is to give you hope. Is to give you. An idea of how important it is, and I know you guys know this, I'm just trying to remind you with this message, of how important it is to be at home that the kids can come home to and that the adults can come home to because life's difficult for us, too. doesn't matter how old you are. And I'm not saying Jim's old, but, you know, he needs a place to come to in the middle of the week. It's rough out there. And you need... In this incredibly difficult life we're living in, you need someone to put an arm around you. You need someone to say, what's wrong, Jim? I can tell something's going on. What's wrong, Clary? I I can tell you've had a rough week. What can we do for you? You need people that know you like you're a brother or sister in Christ. You need a pastor. And yeah, a pastor's wife, too. That's a difficult job, isn't it, Sister Debbie? You need... Folks like this to come home to. <sighs> Big Creek is blessed. When I originally I don't know how long ago it was, it looks like back in '18, the first time I tried to preach this message, we had eight couples in our church that had celebrated 50 years of marriage. You know how extraordinary that is in this world? You know, and I tell the young people that we have departing from time to time and they think it's okay to live with somebody for a while. They think they're going to live happily ever after, just like Luke chapter 15. And they think they're okay with just a pocketbook. And they think they're okay with this person that's told them, well, I love you too, and won't marry you. I told them it ain't no coincidence. There ain't no coincidences with God. You look at the older folks in this church that have lived 50 years or more together. Some of them have passed away in that, in that time since the 18 years. I think we're down to six. But there ain't no coincidence. It's because they had a home to come home to, a church like Big Creek Baptist Church that blessed them. You know, I was thinking about it. It's absolutely essential to be able to come home and to have a closed society here. A closed society, you know, that's good, too. You know where there's a closeness. But I'm talking about a closed society where there's truth in here and people tell you that it's okay to shack up. Here you hear it's not. When people tell you, you know, uh, you can do this or you can do that or it's involved in this world, here they tell
4: you you can't do that. If you do that, we'll have to
3: discipline you. This is important. And you take the Bible and show them it's important. This is God's word. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read those first, how is it, 12 verses. That if you do this, God will bless you. And then the rest of the chapter, but if you don't, God will curse you. I don't like to think of that. A lot of people don't, you know, the world out there, like, hey, God will curse you. God loves everyone. No, he doesn't. God hates the wicked. The wicked are an abomination to him. You can go back to Psalms 5, Psalm 7. God is angry with the wicked every day. You can't take presume upon the love of God, especially when you're just flaunting all his ordinances and all the order that he has. Sure, God loves sinners. And God's going to bring sinners to him. But don't you just trust. You know, in in a church like Big Creek or Emmanuel, sometimes kids grow up trusting in the doctrine of election. I preached a message a couple weeks ago. Election is not a safety net. You're not saved by election. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved when you're convicted of your sins, and Jesus Christ comes as the only Savior that can save you from those sins. And then you figure out, hey, election was part of that all along. Yeah, it was. I'm not going to deny it is. And as Sovereign Grace kids grow up, they're going to know that's what it is. But don't you put the burden on God. Well, if God elected me, God will save me somewhere down the line. And I'll just wait for him to do it. You know how when you'll be saved, you'll never be saved. You can't trust in hopes and dreams. Preconceptions, you have to trust in a real thing, Jesus Christ. And that's what this church preaches. That's what this church teaches. That's what this church is built upon. You know why Jesus Christ says is built upon this rock? He's talking about himself. the The Greek word there is Petra. That's a, that's a huge rock. Brother Justin Meyer and I was doing some hiking and. In West Virginia this weekend, and, and we was over there on the Endless Wall Trail there on uh, New River Gorge. I don't know if you all been there, if been to Red River Gorge, you see some of those same things there. But we was down there, and we dropped down on those ladders, and I'm looking up there, and I'm, uh, uh, there's a rock that was hanging out. It must have been hanging 25 feet out. And I said, how in the world is that not already falling down? <laughs> and I thought about it it's because I'm only seeing the tip of that rock, and there's more rock in there. I said, hallelujah, that's a Petra.
4: That's a rock
3: that you can trust in that ain't going to fall. Jesus Christ. Life that's incredibly difficult, we need something that's strong. We need something that's sure. We need something that's a foundation for us to rest upon. And that has to be the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church. It has to be because there's no place in the world that they're going to find And if you don't, if you don't provide that for your church family. Again, like I said, young folks, middle-aged folks, older folks, all of us live incredibly difficult lives. My dad brought him here Monday night. Tickles me to death that he loves to, wants to come to church. You know, I watch him, and if he's sitting in his chair, we got him one of those chairs that will lift him up. Like this, because if we don't, he can't get up. He can try, but he don't have enough strength. If he has something to grab a hold of, he can grab a hold of that and pull himself up. He's got a strong right arm God's given him. But that chair lifts him up like this, and it lifts him up, and then he gets his cane. And I watch him for the next five to ten minutes. It's going to take him to get to this point, which I can do in just a few seconds, and he's still been over, and he has to shift shift those brake. right foot's mostly good, but he's got to depend upon that left leg to stand to move this right foot. And it's hard. And if it's carpet like this, it's even harder. We try to get him some wood flooring. And by the time he gets this foot, like I said, it's gonna take him almost 10 minutes sometimes to get turned around to the point where he can collapse into a scooter. Can you imagine 10 minutes just to get out of your chair and to get in the scooter? That's incredibly difficult for him to do. A lot of folks would just give up. They'd go lie in that nursing home bed. Take care of me. That's why I'm thrilled that he comes to Emmanuel with me. He wants to come worship with Jesus. He said, Matthew, when's the next one? Do you know that there's the area fellowship that Big Creek has with uh, Johnstown, where Brother Pete Horn is, with Midland, where Brother Rex is, and Mount Pleasant, and Livingstone, and Grace? Six churches, and we have it year-round. Do you know that he went to 13 straight area fellowships? He missed the fourth 14th one. Guess where it was at? Big Creek, you yeah, know, I'm messed up. He wanted someplace to go to. To worship the Lord. Yeah. But he wanted to go someplace where for a while while he sits in that scooter. He doesn't have to think about getting up. Doesn't have to think about how incredibly difficult. He just. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he's home.
4: He's home.
3: He's in your home. I know he's borrowing your home. And then tomorrow he'll be at Herod's Landmark Baptist Church. He'll be at his home. That God has provided for him to make it through another week. You know, divorce, drugs, physical ailments, the incredibly difficult things in this world. What's easy about this world? We need to teach our kids, there ain't nothing easy about this world, is there? You can expect heartaches. You can expect people to let you down. You can expect uh, the money to run out. You can expect all these things. I know sometimes we grow up because God has blessed his people so much, like this prodigal son, that they think, well, money just grows on trees and, oh, I can go out there and do whatever I want to. And eventually you find out you can't do whatever you want to in this world. You're going to bang up against the devil pretty quick. He's going to take what you've got. And God's going to allow him to do it if you're not in his will. Because the, the cursings of God, I know there are some direct cursings. But primarily the cursing of God is I'm going to take my blessings away from you until you get back into church. Until you go back home. Where you belong. Where I've blessed you before. Where I've multiplied your joys and, and I've multiplied your, the wonders and the awes and the amens and the hallelujahs that you find here. When you come home to Emmanuel Baptist Church, you know what we need is that hope that's found here. Dad and I, you know, I put that. I remember one time Dad asking my sister, Leandra, when Mom was still alive, he said, you think Mom could make it if something happened? You know, if I went home to glory, if I give it, you think Mom could make it? You know, those thoughts go through your mind. You want to give up, but you can't, can you? God's got a purpose for us here. You're part of this. You're part of this special church. If you're a member here, and if you're here and you're not a member, become a member. Become a part of this. The real safety net is God's people and the truth of God. And the blessings of God. That God has promised. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll provide for you. I, uh, David said I've, I've been old, young and now I'm old. And i have not seen God's people uh, begging bread. It's not going to happen. Now, there's times in our life we might run out of bread just to teach us a lesson or something. But God's going to take care Amen. of his people. Right. In his house. That's where the guarantees are just I started thinking about the things that we could come to and you know most of the time when I, when I don't know what you need you know what I usually pray for? I say God give them grace because yeah. I don't know what you need and grace is a pretty awesome word it's not just sovereign grace and salvation that's pretty awesome that Jesus Christ died for us unmerited favor gave us his righteousness took away our sins that's the ultimate grace of salvation but you know what? there's all kinds of more graces God can give you and I, and I like to name those graces sometimes. Sometimes the first one on my list is strength. God can give strength in these incredibly difficult times. If you are suffering through addiction, you know the only way you're going to get out of that is through Jesus Christ. Because he'll give you strength. He'll give you abilities that you didn't know you had. Sometimes it's physical strength that's needed. Sometimes dad needs that leg to be strong. Sometimes you need that healing that comes from when you've been sick, you pray for your pastor, that his lungs get stronger. You know, God's the one that can do that. God's the one that whatever your physical ailments might be, whatever your mental stresses might be, whether it's at the job or whether it's in a relationship in your family,
4: emotional strength, God can give that to you. And he
3: will give that to you. And here's where you find it. Can God do that if you're out there on a golf course on Sundays? God can do whatever he wants to do, but your be in agreement with me, it ain't likely, is it? Right. It's here when you come home that he's going to give you strength. In the uh, book of Philippians chapter four, and these are familiar verses that we, we go to often. Philippians chapter four, in verse number 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And it says in verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need. It doesn't say he'll supply all your wants. God does that sometimes. He gives us sometimes what we want, and sometimes it's because so we can learn we didn't. I didn't really want that, you know. I. But he'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will give strength, where, like I said, and sometimes it's spiritual strength you need. Sometimes it's to be to be fortified by that. In Ephesians chapter four, while we're here, close. Ephesians chapter four, speaking about his churches. You know, Ephesians. I've just preached through Ephesians just peripherally, with an overview to see that it was a church epistle, and that's what it's talking about in. Uh, it says the body of Christ it says one body in verse number 4 one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith one baptism, it's talking about that and the unity of the spirit in verse number 3 and it talks about that and it says in verse 11 and it's going to get in verse 12 it says and he gave some apostles some churches, some of those bodies, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers look what it says, for the perfecting of the saints that's what the church is for Amen. you know I got somebody that commented on our Facebook page and I'm trying to get a hold of her to talk to her individually because she read one of my silas and said, I was really enjoying that until I found out that you think only Baptists go to heaven. And I contacted her. I said, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you that every blood-washed saint is going to go to heaven. And I'm sorry I didn't make myself clear enough. And I, I told her there's a difference between the church. The church is going to be the bride of Christ. And that's what the sila was about. But I believe every member of the family and every member of the kingdom is going to go to glory too. And she says, what, what are you talking about? What, what, what are you, you know, and so I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to tell her what the difference is between the kingdom and the family of God and the church of God is. Need to know that. Need to know that it's not good enough. A lot of people think they're in the, well, when I got saved, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit and I'm in the church now. No, you aren't. You're in the family
4: of God. You, you've been born again. Born into a family, born into a kingdom. How do you get in the church?
3: You're baptized into a church. Water baptism is the only baptism that's known in the scriptures since the days of Pentecost and the days of the apostles. And so, for the perfecting of the saints, it says in verse 12, that's what it is. He gave them some apostles, some prophets, some preachers, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what he gives it for. That's what he gives you a pastor for. That's what he
4: gives you deacons for. That's what he gives you teachers for. That's what he gives you mature women and men
3: that can teach the young ones for so that they can edify you. And you can be edified. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a complete person. One that's safe. One that can get married and expect to live for 50 years. You now there was a little girl that went to Raised christian school with my oldest daughter and she came from a broken home and i heard her say this one time she said my mom was divorced and remarried my dad's they're divorced and he's remarried and and i suppose when i grow up i'll be divorced and remarried what 12 years old and she's already given up I don't want my kids to be
4: given up already. I want them to see the examples. A big cricket, at Emmanuel, that they love each other. And when they say, till death do us part, that's what they mean.
3: Because that's what marriage is between one man and one woman for life. And anything else is wrong. It's an abomination to God. God hateth the putting it away. You need to be reconciled back together. I know sometimes, you know, divorce is a sticky subject and things go wrong and, it ain't always clean cut. There's usually problems on both sides. But two Christians have no excuse ever, ever to get divorced. For every temptation that comes along, God's promised a way of escape, and He'll take care of you. Come home. Come home. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor's wife. Talk to your family. Talk to your dad. Talk to your mom back there in this safe haven of Emmanuel Baptist Church. That's what they're here for.
4: That's what God put them here for. For the perfecting of the saints. For the unity of the body. That you might have
3: hope instead of despair. And that our little girls and our little boys will dream of Prince Charming. And dream of living happily ever after. And be waiting for the eastern gates to open. It all falls in line. If we trust Him. I know there's a lot of, it's incredibly difficult along the way. We're going to close our message with that in a little bit here. That I know it's incredible. And that doesn't make it any less incredibly difficult being a member of the church. But it does give you hope. It does give you a way. It does give you encouragement. It does give you a pattern to follow. It says in, in verse number 13, Can we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. you like verse 14? It says that we henceforth be no more children, like the prodigal son was. And look what it says. Tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cutting craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And and you never know what's really right, because you're still children. But it says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. You know what happened to a lot of our churches in the preceding generation? Moms and dads quit going to church. And they drop their kids off at Sunday school, and they let the church raise the children. What's wrong with that? It ain't the responsibility of the church to raise children. Listen to this. It's the responsibility of the church to raise families. To teach dads how to be dads. Teach dads how to be fathers. how, How to be husbands. Teach moms how to be moms, and moms how to be wives. And teach children how to be children. Yeah, you got to learn. Yeah, you got to submit yourself. That's how chapter
4: 6 starts off here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. And right things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen
3: when you follow God's Word. That you might grow up unto Him in all things. It says in verse 16, from whom the whole body. talking about the church. This is a church epistle. When it says body, the word body is never used in the Bible in reference to the kingdom. It's never used in the Bible in the New Testament in reference to the family of God. It is always, speaking of the church, the local, visible, called out church for you, Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church, that's what it's talking about. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. You know, you go over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what happens when the foot's not there? You're limping around. You know, Brother Pete Chadwick in our church got diabetes real bad, and they had to cut off one of his legs. He's now a cripple. He now comes to church, not regularly, but just whenever he can. That's how a church is when you're not here. Whether you're a toe, whether you're a finger, whether you're a nose for the smelling. How awful would it be to go through life without having a tongue to taste? That would be really tough on a guy that loves German chocolate cake, you know.
4: But you know, every part of the body is essential if we're going to live a good and whole and perfect life. You are essential.
3: I can't go on Wednesday night. Why not? I was providentially hindered. (laughs) You know what providentially hindered means? God stopped you. God said, you can't go. I'm not going to let you. Like Brother Pete Chadwick, he can't go. God stopped him. Took his leg. If you say you're providentially hindered, you better be sure that it's God and it's not you that's stopping you from going. Don't lay the blame on God. You need to be here. You need to be faithful. You need to tithe. You need to be up here singing, you need to be out there mowing the grass, changing the capacitor if you have to on the, on the air conditioning. Whatever it might be, whatever your job is, is cooking the, the strawberry pie. Whatever it might be, praying for the one that's sick, going to go visit them, putting your arm around them when they haven't been here for a few weeks, be the first one to run to the door and put your arms around them. I've missed you so much! It ain't the same without you. You know, I've run into members of my church I'm thinking of one time in particular. I was in Save-A-Lot, and I, I saw they must have saw me before I saw them because they were going the opposite direction as fast as they could. How awful is that? They're not accountable to me. They're accountable to God. Surprise. But they're hurting themselves. It hurts me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It hurts my heart. And I pray for them. But who they're really hurting, because that's why it hurts my heart, because they're really hurting themselves, depriving themselves of home, of love, of joy, of peace, of a wonderful life at Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church or Big Creek Baptist Church. You're not hurting anybody except for yourself. Now back to these graces, now that I got that point. The second grace is patience that you can get here, you can find here, and you can look around in your life. I got this in Job chapter 2. I didn't get to my Job reference when I was at indoor earlier today, so I've got one here now. Once I preach through the book of Job, it's just hard for me not to preach a message without going to it at least once. Job chapter 2 and verse number 8. Well, verse number 6, I guess, for context. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand. This is the second time he's already taken away all of his possessions. He's always taken away all of his kids. And now Satan says, Well, you know, you didn't let me at him and his health. And the Lord said and Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot into his crown. And he took a pot sure to scrape himself withal. Job was a perfect and an upright man who feared God and eschewed evil in the first verse of this book. And you know, from my perspective, human perspective, he didn't deserve this. But you know, from God's perspective, he had something for Job to learn. And if you've got trials and tribulations in your life and you're going through one of those incredibly difficult times in your life, know this of a fact, God loves you. God has a purpose for you. Maybe he's going to be giving you patience. Maybe he's going to be giving you strength. Maybe he's waiting for you to pray so that you'll know he's there. These are the gifts that God can give. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself with and he sat down in the ashes, and he's in pain and agony from toe to foot, incredibly difficult. And then, verse 9, then said his wife unto him, Thus thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. You know, whenever I preach on Mrs. Job, I say she didn't lose her faith. You know how I know she didn't lose her faith? Because she didn't say curse Satan and die, thinking Satan's in control. Boy, if we could just get rid of him. She said curse God and die because she knew that God's in control she hadn't lost her faith but she had lost her hope and she'd given up don't give up when I preached this when I was going through Job that was the title of my message don't give up Mrs. Job sometimes it's Mr. Job that gives up (laughs) sometimes it's Mr. Matt that does that and my wife says she says what Job says here he said unto her or she says unto me Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. And you know, James, when he talks about Job, have you not heard of the patience of Job? You know what? All Job had to do was wait out 42 chapters, and he's going to have everything back. I know, those children. That bothers me sometimes too, but then I also know that the Lord's going to take care of them too. The Lord has to, because I can't. And I trust the Lord with my children. You know, one of my churches is in a so-called Baptist church. One of my little girls is living with somebody. One of my sons is taking his church membership for granted, just comes whenever he wants to. One of them I don't think he's saved. And I got when I go to church on Sunday morning, you know who I expect to see on the back row? one of my five kids it's incredibly difficult out there i remember just six years ago people telling me patting me on the back oh what wonderful children you have how wonderful to see that back row full of children i'm trusting the lord to bring those back that are gone i pray for them i give them what words of wisdom i can I point out to them how dangerous it is out there and how they need the blessings of God and how dangerous the cursings of God are. But only God can keep your children. Keep them here as long as you can, safe at home. So that when the prodigal son comes to himself, he says, I know, I'll go home. I don't deserve to go home. But I know if I go back home to Emmanuel, that they'll love me. That they'll take me in because they always had before. And God will bless that. I pray that God keeps them in here first. God does that a lot. doesn't have to. But God is so gracious, isn't he? He's so full of love for his people. He does that a lot. You know how many people were on the ark? Eight people. You know, if the modern world was figuring out who's going to be the ark, okay, we'll have one American, one Canadian, one Mexican. You know, and now, you know this is diversity in action. You know who was on the ark? You Noah's know wife, his three boys, and their three wives. God put his family on there because family is important Amen. to God, Amen. and they had a home there on the ark. God is good, but God has an order.
4: And may we find that order. May the Lord give us. Sometimes we need patience for 20 minutes. And sometimes that 20 minutes is forever. we got to wait, got to wait, got to wait. Don't say nothing back.
3: Sometimes that's me saying something too quick. Just take take a break. Sometimes I've got to wait two hours. Doctors checked everything out. Lord, please bless. Please give us a good answer. Please say, please, not, not cancer. Sometimes you need patience. Sometimes it's needing 16 weeks. I just threw these numbers together. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how many, whether you just need 20 minutes of patience. I don't know whether you need 16 weeks. What's the song say? A thousand sleepless nights. That's about three and a half years. And I'm waiting on my, my beautiful little girl. And that's about where it is. It's three and a half years right now. I've got to have patience. And I come back to my church, and my church said, we're praying for you. I went over to King's Edition a few weeks ago. It had been a couple months ago now. Brother Steve Compton came up to me and said, how's your family? And I said, we're well, doing pretty good. He said, how's your, how's your daughter? And it kind of stunned me. I said, what do you know about my I'd asked him to pray for my daughter before. He said, we've been praying for her. We've been praying for your family. You go down the list of every church, one of God's churches, and you see those prayer requests on there, don't you, for our families, for our children. I'm, I'm, I'm going too long. But I, I, you know, if you don't get nothing else out of this and you come back to the, 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 the gospel of Luke, there is a happy ending. That prodigal son, because, because he had a home to come to. Y'all have a homecoming. Pray. Pray. That it's a special homecoming this year. That God brings your people home, your children home, your loved ones home. God can do that. That's what He put you here for, to be a part of that. May God bless the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I pray that with all my heart. Brother John. Amen.
0: You know I'm I'm thankful for the message because it truly sounds like home—the home that our people have here. Tomorrow, by God's grace, we'll have, Lord willing, we'll have those thirty somethings not yet saved, but they're here. They always want to you think about those that come to the house of God. I remember 18 years ago when they were just like this. Still praying for their souls. Still praying that the Lord will Keep them in this place. It's always good to look back and see those young people that have grown up in this house. They know this is a place of safety, they know this is a place where they love. And i tell you what, there's no greater feeling to know that your church family has that desire for those around him. And it's not just our kids that we think about. We think about those in our community. Those that are... Those that are... Those that are hung up in addiction. That you seem to have never made headway with, but somewhere down the road, they're going to call for you. You know why? Because they saw the people that cared for them. It makes a difference. Thank God for a place called home. Brother Jim, you come. We're going to sing a song. Tonight, I pray that the Lord spoke to your heart. I pray that He has. I know He has mine. I've just sat and rejoiced in here and to understand what this place has been to my wife and myself over the last 18 years it's been home and I thank God okay